Welcome to another edition of the Proclaim Cuba podcast, On Mission. This show invites people to share stories of how they see Cuba. That's our theme for 2023. We want to share the many complex, unique, and fascinating sides of Cuba through the eyes of those that have been there and those that live there. As our guests share their role in supporting the four pillars of ministry, evangelism, discipleship, training, and community support, we hope you will reflect on God's hand at work in the past, see his provision in the present, and visualize his transforming plan for the future. Hello, I'm your host, Andrew Wishmeyer, one of the team members here at Proclaim Cuba. Our guest today is Dwight Garretson. Uh, Dwight is a member of Cross Point Church in McKinney, Texas, and I recently had the privilege of traveling with Dwight and the senior pastor, Daniel Messina, and Mark Howell with the E2 Initiative to see Cuba in March. Dwight has been blessed to live in many Central American and South American countries during his career with the FBI, and as a result, he is bilingual. So it was a joy to travel with Dwight, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. Welcome, Dwight. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. I've been looking forward to uh, recounting the trip. Good. Me too. Uh, we did have a, a wonderful trip. So I always like to start off with uh, having you tell us a little bit about your background and your family and your church family there at Cross Point. Okay. Uh, well, you covered it uh, pretty succinctly in the introduction. Um, I grew up in uh, Oklahoma, a little town in western Oklahoma, Elk City, and uh, got my college education in Oklahoma. After that Paul, as you mentioned, the FBI career, which took me to uh, several places throughout the United States, as well as living in Puerto Rico and Colombia and Venezuela, and then traveling to practically all the countries in the Western Hemisphere, particularly the Spanish language uh, countries. Uh, so that uh, that's in a, in a nutshell. Um, after I left the FBI, I also went back to Colombia with uh, Occidental Petroleum. And uh, uh, I do want to say, in all my uh, foreign assignments, particularly Colombia and Venezuela, uh, we had good contact with missionaries and, and participated in a lot of their activities. Can't say we really lived a missionary life, and more diplomats' life, but we had contact with them and and shared in their problems and prayed for them and became very very familiar with the missionary endeavors. Uh, after my, uh, well, like I say, I retired from, from the government and then worked in corporate security for a few years. And after my last job ended up in Dallas, uh, my kids insist, uh, you know, thought I should be near them. So we moved to Fredericksburg, Virginia, basically to be near family. Uh, and since I wasn't, uh, responding to working for a living and having to go to the office every day, I began to volunteer uh, with a couple of organizations. First, the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers uh, made a missionary visit with them to uh, Romania, where we ministered to the National Police of, uh, of Romania, and as well as prosecutors and judges. And then I became uh, came in contact with the International Justice Mission, uh, which is uh, succinctly described as a faith-based, non-profit, non-governmental human rights organization. As far as I know, it's one of a kind. Uh, so I worked with them for several years, or volunteered with them in South America, but uh, principally then wound up uh, 
training the uh, National Police of Cambodia for their newly established uh, anti-human trafficking division. So that was very, very fruitful. Um, um, during that period of time, my wife had developed some health issues. And also, uh, since we had moved to Virginia to be near relatives, to meet her kids, well, the kids don't stay put. <laughs> so they moved. And uh, as I was a full-time caregiver, uh, they insisted that I should be near one of them. And uh, since I had a son in in McKinney, uh, which is close to my home in, in Oklahoma, we decided to move to Texas. So we came here in the, in 20, um, 2016, yeah, about seven years ago. And uh, then uh, my wife's health continued to deteriorate. She passed away in 2017. Uh, we had not been able to establish a church home here in, in McKinney in view of her confinement and, and limitations. So after uh, she passed and, and uh, all the uh, uh, funeral and everything was taken care of, I concentrated on finding a church home. Well, it turns out that uh, the closest, actually one of two churches were very close to where I lived at the time. One of them was Crosspoint. I didn't know anything about Crosspoint, but I went to visit one Sunday and it uh, turned out to be the Sunday where they had what they called entry point, sort of a new members class or uh, information about the church. So I figured that was timely. It was a good thing to, good opportunity to learn about Crosspoint, what it was all about. Uh, so I attended that, became acquainted with some of the people there, and in fact was invited uh, by one of the elders to attend his life group. Uh, which was a senior adult uh, life group. So I went back the next Sunday, and long story short, I've been at Crosspoint ever since. Uh, that that was uh, you know five years ago or so. Now uh, fast forward a little bit. Uh, the uh, uh, well, I, I try to. My my current wife, Marianne, refers to this as the Hallmark Channel version. But uh, <laughs> she, like me, was widowed, and we wound up getting to know each other in the life group mm -hmm. there at uh, Cross Point. Right. And uh, nature took its uh, course, and we've now been married four years. So that, uh, that's the story of our domestic situation at the moment. Just coincidentally... That life group leader that I mentioned uh, about, uh, well, first of all, he officiated our wedding also, but about two minutes, uh, two months before we got married, he said, hey, we're, we're moving down to Richardson to be near family, and we need someone to uh, take over the life group. Uh, well, if there is any coincidences in the Christian life, just coincidentally, Marianne and I have been talking about what we had each been doing in our own lives and how could we do something together how could we minister together well the lord dropped that into our laps so when we came back from our honeymoon the next sunday we were life group leaders so oh, that's wow. uh, that was four <laughs> years ago so that's uh that's the story of my home situation in a nutshell and, and how i came to be uh with crosspoint 
Fantastic. Wow. What I love about that, Dwight, is that we got to hear your life there. You how, how if you don't mind my asking, how old how old are you, Dwight? Well, uh the number 82 has been bandied about. I'm almost 82, <laughs> put it that way. In June, I'll turn 82. Well, and of course I knew that. That was a question because you inspire me. And I just wanted to say that right off the bat because um a lot of times people think that maybe they've they've passed their their prime and they they wouldn't want to do a mission trip or they think that that might be detrimental to you. And and I just applaud you because you you went and you really um took steps of faith to go do this. I know you've been a traveler. I know you've lived in other parts of the world and stuff. So traveling doesn't necessarily scare you, but, but as you, as you know, as you move forward in life and such, um, that, that becomes maybe even less possible, or you may want to stay closer to home or something like that. So, you know, you're my hero. You, you are my hero for, for doing this. And I hope you're an inspiration to other people because you certainly are to me. So, uh, so thanks for going. I really well, look forward for to, comments. uh, yeah, uh yeah. it, it, uh, it required a lot of thought and prayer ahead of yes. time, and I'm certainly glad I did. It was well worth the trip, and I would encourage anybody, regardless of age, to Good. consider such a journey. Oh, fantastic. That, mean, that means a lot to folks. I hope that means a lot to our listeners that um, that really, at, uh, at any age, um, you can go and to serve. And uh, Dwight is certainly a great example of that. So, so let's talk a little bit about Cuba. I know from our trip and the time that we talked that, that Cuba has always been an interest to you and that this was the first time you got to go. So what, what did move you to want to go to Cuba? Okay, that's a long story. It actually <laughs> started about 65 years ago when I was a teenager. Uh, I was a, a ham radio operator and just happened to come in contact with a, a group of young people, similar age group, teenagers in Cuba. This was back in the 1950s, pre-Castro. So Cuba was a different uh, situation then. Right. And uh, became intrigued with Cuba and, and for that part of the world, the whole Caribbean. Uh, and had a desire to to, to visit Cuba. Uh, it never came to fruition. Of course, Castro came to power, the communist government uh, curtailed things. And, uh, you know, I thought that was one of those uh, bucket list items that wouldn't be fulfilled. But then uh, I came across uh, you guys proclaim Cuba about four years ago. I don't recall whether it was at one of your September events or I, I know I met Pastor Carlos when he visited uh, Dallas, and I don't remember when that was. Okay. Yes, it was probably Passport to Cuba that we hold every every September, and uh, we'll be doing that again September 10th this year. So we hope uh, folks can come out and join us for that. So we we'll look forward to that. Actually, yeah. Marianne and I have been to the last four Passport to Cubas, and they're very mm -hmm. informative. Great. So, uh, Great. I would encourage anyone who's listening to sign up to, to attend. So, Good. And really learn about uh, proclaim Cuba that way. Absolutely, absolutely. So that that's incredible hearing about the fact that you were on the ham radio with with folks and uh, with kids in Cuba. You know, pre pre Castro, I always think back to fifty nine is when Castro took power for for our viewers who or for our listeners who uh, may not. Uh, know that but he he took power in 59 and obviously seized control of everything and so um so it became you know 
communications and our relationship with Cuba became uh, quite problematic after that point. Um, but I always like to throw in, there's some interesting facts. If you, if you look this up on YouTube, you can actually find that after Castro took power, they threw him a, a ticker tape parade in New York city. Um, and, and then he went to the white house and met with vice president Nixon at the time. And uh, there's some incredible pictures of those things. Cause we just don't think that, that things like that happened. Our relationship with Cuba has been strained. And so uh, we see pictures like that. And it's uh, just kind of fascinating to look at from a history standpoint, right? Very yeah. Okay. Well, good. Let's talk about our trip to Cuba. Um, so I know we prepared, we, we, we brought uh, medical supplies and you were part of the packing party for things like that. Um, you know, how did you, how did you feel as we, uh, as we got ready? Well, I was uh, excited, of course, to being able to do something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of work involved in packing those uh, medical supplies. Yeah. I'd like to talk more about those later, but that was uh, impressive. Sure. Uh, 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 in retrospect, we carried in seven 50-pound suitcases full of uh, medical supplies and equipment. And right. everything cleared uh, customs with no problem. So mm -hmm. those were <laughs> answers to prayer also. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It was... Uh, as you may recall, we had a uh, delayed time getting there. Our plane was late leaving Dallas, and we had a short uh, short night in Miami, but arrived right on time at uh, Camagüey on, on Monday morning, and uh, we're met by Pastor Carlos and uh, the uh, interpreter, Umberto. Yep. Uh, and so that began a very busy time. Yep. I know you fellows that were with me, none of you are, are within 25 years of my age, so you were able to to keep up with all the activities better than I was, but it was uh, an exciting time uh, from everything. We visited the, a couple of churches in uh, in uh, Camagüey and then went out the, the next day to uh, Cespedes. Now, incidentally, let me just mention here, at one of the Passport to Cuba events that we attended, we had picked up a prayer card of, uh, you had, prayer cards out there for various pastors within Cuba. Right. And we picked up one that we, we've been praying for this fella and his family for at least two years. Uh, his, his name is uh, Eduardo Santos. He lives in the little town of uh, La Florida uh, between Camagüey and Cespedes. Well, on our way out to Cespedes on Tuesday, we picked him up. And so I was able to get, uh, get to know him in person, which was uh, very enjoyable. Uh, I love that story. That was uh that was such a um experience for me. And, and you know, when you turned to me and said, Hey, that's the that's the guy I've been praying for. That's uh that's part of your uh adopt your pastors program. And so yeah, that that was a, a really special moment. So I'm so glad that that got to be a part of your journey as well. So yes, that was great. Absolutely. Uh, and then at uh at Cespedes, uh we spent the day at the seminary there visiting with Pastor Carlos and uh, several of the seminary students and other people that come in to, to take advantage of the training that was, was offered by Mark. Uh, and that, uh, that went over well, seemed to have been well received. The uh, seminary is impressive. I, 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 you know, I didn't really know what to expect from a seminary who that was established in a country that wasn't friendly to Christianity, but 
the people involved have done and worked wonders with uh, the resources they have. And the students that I chatted with all seemed very enthusiastic about what they were doing. And uh, I think the, that that will, will hold well for the future of uh, pastors in, in Cuba. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. You know, we... Um... Uh, we've started in on a on a ten year vision plan, which involves, um, you know, we've set the foundation for reaching Cuba for Christ, and that's still our our uh, our vision. But um, now our vision includes um, just to help communicate this about every element of our ministries. If we incorporated four pillars, and we call them evangelism, discipleship, training, and community support, and so you got to see a real example of training because that involves our seminary. And our, our seminary is fantastic because it's kind of a distributed uh, seminary. And so people can take classes and they can become equipped for the work of the ministry uh, within this. And so there's some basic classes and we graduate thousands of people from that one. But then there's a, a bachelor's level and a master's and even a doctorate level program. Uh, we have few few teachers to do the doctorate level. So those are kind of few and far between, but people can do that. They can pursue those things. And so uh, I'm really thrilled that that's a part of every element of our, our ministry is actually equipping the people to do uh, the work of the ministry. And and you got to see that. So that was, uh, that was, that was great. Right. That was exciting. Yeah. Good. Uh, one thing I might mention uh, as far as uh, aside from the, from the Christian influence, just the uh, Cuba in general, the, as it struck me as a first time visitor, you know, knowing that it was was and has been for decades a communist country, uh, I expected to see more signs of oppression, you know, armed military or police. Really, I think the only military I saw were at the airport and uh, very few police. Yeah. Uh, one thing, uh, of course, all of us have heard about the old vehicles in uh, <laughs> in Cuba, and and that's true. The streets are filled with them. Yeah. But uh, not only the vehicles were old, the the buildings all were dated and old. But despite all that, they everything was clean. I was impressed at the, how there's no litter. How it seems everything is recycled until it's uh, absolutely useless. So uh, the Human people are resourceful in, in taking advantage of what they have. Matter of fact, one of the print you carried down a printer, and I noticed the packing material around the printer was saved for future use. So that's a good example of making good use of everything. So I was impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know it's interesting. You you talked about um, the military presence and. Um, and I, and I thought that was a great observation because um, you being an um, ex-FBI agent and stuff, you pay attention maybe to things like that more than I have. But you were absolutely right. I, I did notice less of that for some reason, which was which was interesting because they had just come out of COVID. And, and so I know that in those cases, there was a lot of police presence because they were enforcing lockdowns and things like that there. So um, so that was an interesting observation, I thought, there, too. And and so I, I know those were come, some things that uh, uh, that kind of surprised you about Cuba, which was great. I, I remember our uh, coming out of that church one time and there was a, a restored vehicle there. We got a great picture of you sitting in that. Uh, I think it was a 57 Chevy. Yeah, 57. Was, yeah. 
seven Chevrolet. Yeah, it was a beautiful car, it's white and uh, with black trim. And yeah. like I said, it's a '57 Chevrolet on the outside, but it has the Honda motor, and you know <laughs> everything's been replaced except the exterior. <laughs> right, and and then he got in and and drove away, and it it just purred. I mean, it was uh, right. it was beautiful. It was a beautiful yeah. car. So, <laughs> so you know, I part of this uh, podcast is always encouraging people to serve wherever it is, even, even if it's not in Cuba, maybe it's someplace else, you know? Uh, so I, the question that I pose to the people that I interview is, you know, how are you different today as a result of serving in Cuba? You've served in many capacities. We got to hear about all the different places you've, you've been in the world. Um, but Cuba has, an impact on people and it and it affects people uh in different ways so i'll just pose that question to you as well you know how are you different today as a result of of serving in cuba okay that's sort of a tough question uh <laughs> as you mentioned i've seen minist- uh, missionary operations in several countries sure. uh different levels and uh one thing though i i have never encountered uh a group of Christians like those in Cuba who have so little materially and no support uh, government-wise or, or even from the population in general, but they are so enthusiastic about their mm-hmm. walk with the Lord uh, and particularly the, the leaders, uh, I think particularly of the, the pastor in uh, Las Tunas, Jose Laera, uh, who had an amazing testimony about how he came to know the Lord, and and now he is enthusiastic about spreading the gospel and uh, uh, working on uh, the, uh, we call it the Timothy Project, uh, the uh, multiplication, uh, teaching people who will be able to teach others. And uh, that uh, I know that's uh, something you want to implement throughout the provinces. But uh, he seems to be going forward enthusiastically with, with spreading the gospel. And all the, particularly the, the uh, house church pastors that we met, they're in humble circumstances, uh, poor by any uh, measure, but they are so wanting to meet, to, to reach their neighbors for Christ. And they are expanding, uh, the, the, they talk about they open it. Uh, their home to a church that might start meeting with two or three people, but they keep inviting their neighbors and it grows and then develops. They send out a a couple to start another house church uh, somewhere else in the neighborhood. So it it was an amazing, it's a great uh, idea and they seem to be implementing it uh, despite all the obstacles and lack of resources that they have. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think we come back encouraged. Um, I think that's just kind of in general when people go and see the the passion that um, that uh, the Cuban network of churches uh, that we uh, have been blessed to be able to be a part of, all seventy five of them now, um, they're enthusiastic about uh, spreading the gospel, right? To to really giving that hope and help. Uh, in in a dark place, you know, and so that strengthens our faith. I know that uh, that I am always encouraged, and I think that 
that affects me as it did you when when you come back uh, from uh, from seeing that and wanting to be enthusiastic like they are um, for reaching our neighbors for Christ. Right? You think about the 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 message that they have with their Timothy project of of expansion and um, and uh, so we're encouraged and and uh, and want to try to do implement what they're doing right. Uh, so. Right. Good. So, um, so I'll wrap up with just kind of a, a final question here. Of, um, I know you've been connected to us for four years. Um, I I know that now you uh, you hold a role uh, within your church as uh, kind of being our our ambassador within in Crosspoint, and we're so thankful for that. Uh, I couldn't think of a better person. Thank you so much for that. But uh, you know, what is it that you think? Um, you would encourage others to uh, to support Proclaim Cuba, and what was it about us, and is about us that uh, that you want to try to connect others to us? Okay, as far as uh, supporting uh, Proclaim Cuba, uh, when I first heard about Proclaim Cuba and attended the first uh, Passport to Cuba event, I was impressed by uh, the uh, enthusiasm of the people who presented the program. Uh, it seemed uh, they had an idea of where they wanted to go and how they wanted to implement the program. But then having visited there and seen it in action, I think uh, those of us who are in a position to support financially can rest assured that uh, resources are being used the, the best way possible. Uh, I think particularly of the the medical situation we carried in medical supplies and equipment, and then we saw the uh, the, the pharmacy set up in Pastor Carlos' home, and then the, their system for distributing uh, supplies, medical supplies and equipment to the places where they are needed the most. Uh, it's a very professional uh, setup and uh, very impressive. And everything about the way the seminary is run, the the attention to detail, uh, it. Without doubt, it uh, it's a good investment for anyone who's looking to further the kingdom of God. Yeah, well, thank you, Dwight. That's a very kind, and and we're humbled by that. Um, we really do appreciate uh, your support in so many many areas, and uh, we look forward to continuing to serve with uh, with Crosspoint. Want to take a moment to just give a give a shout out to Mission Regan is the folks who provide us with all of the medical supplies that we take down. And uh, if you know somebody who needs any kind of medical device or uh, crutches or wheelchair for adults or children or whatever it might be, they will just give it to you. You don't have to qualify. Um, and they're in McKinney, Texas, and um, and you can. Uh, they'll even ship it to you if you need to, if you'll pay for the shipping. Um, and so I just always appreciate them. So um, we we took all of that medical supplies and medication down with us uh, because of of them. So uh, we're grateful to our partners uh, at Crosspoint and to uh, Mission Regan. And so we're, we're just blessed to be connected to you all. So thank you well, for that. It, it's yeah. a blessing to us. No question about it. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we're wrapped up here, uh, Dwight. Again, thanks for all of your your insight, all of your stories uh, about the travel and um, just the things that you saw as you went to Cuba. Um, 
hopefully we'll get to go again. Do you think Marianne, your wife's going to go with us next time? Well, that would, uh, yeah, she would love to. And, right. uh, you okay. know, that's a topic of conversation at, at, at Crosspoint as to what will be the composition of the next, sure. next visit. But, uh, okay. but certainly we will continue to uh, support the ministry and do what we can, including trips to Cuba. Uh, I would encourage anyone that has any interest at all in what we've been talking about to uh, plan a trip with you guys to Cuba. It would be very informative and helpful. Okay. Thank you for your time today, my friend. And uh, we will see you soon. Okay. Okay. God bless. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Mission Today. If you would like to know more about Proclaim Cuba or hear other stories like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Proclaim Cuba.